Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Good to see everyone here today. I'm glad to, uh, that we've joined together to share the love of God with one another, to worship the Lord, and we welcome everyone here this morning. Uh, we welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and hope that you will feel very much a part of our family as we worship God. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets. We'd like to ask if you would to take those and to fill them out uh, so we could have a record of your attendance with us there on the end of each row. If you would just take that, fill it out, pass it down the row, and then pass it back, we would certainly appreciate that. Uh, we have uh, several announcements I'd like to call to your attention this morning. First of all, our upward uh, basketball and cheerleading uh, program is underway. We have um, gone through our registration time, and, uh, and we're working up towards the beginning of our season. Practice will begin on September the 16th, and we are still in need of some volunteers and some uh, scholarships. So if you would like to help with our upward basketball in, and cheerleading program in any way, please, uh, please let us know, and we will put you to work, and we will take your money. Uh, <laughs> and both are needed. Both are needed, and we're grateful for that. Uh, we are. Let me remind you also that uh, this weekend, this coming weekend, we will be uh, having our Sureway uh, fundraiser. Uh, this is our barbecue event. We will be set up at the Sureway at Eastgate, uh, right across from North Middle School. Now, we need, I know that a lot of you have taken tickets to sell, and I'm grateful for that. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. Uh, but we need those tickets back, like today or, or, or tomorrow, so that we can call ahead and uh, let the people at Shoreway know how much meat that we, ha- that we need. So please, uh, if you have those tickets available today, you can hand them uh, to me as you leave today, or, uh, or to Mike, give them to Mike. And, uh, and if you don't have them today, please uh, bring them in tomorrow or call in or something, and uh, we would appreciate that. So that gives us a, a, an idea of how much we need to order. Yes. Oh, yes, yes. And, and you can still come, you know, and just buy. What, uh, you don't have to have a ticket to – you can walk up and buy as well. So you don't have to have a ticket to, uh, to get some food there. Uh, you can walk up, and we'll be glad to serve you then as well. Also coming up is our Highway 60 yard sale, and that's on October the 3rd and 4th, and we're going to be holding that inside uh, here. I think we learned our lesson last year when we were set up on the corner and the uh, pouring down rain just kind of deluged us and everybody get got wet and everything got wet. Uh, so we're going to hold it inside here, but it's going to be a an all-service uh, project because we're going to be holding the, the rummage sale in here. And uh, we will also be cooking. We'll be having some hot dogs and hamburgers and maybe pork chops that we'll be cooking. We'll be grilling outside. And I think our youth are going to be doing a car wash. And so lots of things are going on. And uh, so uh, if, if you would like to, if you want to clean out your closet and bring things for our rummage sale, please do that. But be sure, be sure to be here also on October the 3rd and 4th to buy some things because this su- supports our missions money for our missions projects here at Community Baptist Church. And one other thing to remind you, 
on September the 21st, uh, just a few weeks away, a couple of weeks away, we will be having our annual church picnic, and we'll be leaving right after the worship service and going out to the brain injury camp, and we'll be joining our friends from the Presbyterian Church again this year and uh, sharing um, a time of fellowship with them. Do we need anything? Do we need to just bring side dishes and stuff? Okay, so bring side dish, you know, desserts, vegetables, chips, whatever, and and we'll be providing the the lunch uh, or the meat. So thank you so much for that, and we're looking forward to great things. And so let me invite you now, let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord.
Will you please join me in the responsive reading? Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God has in us, and God's love is made morning. If you'll take your scripture and open to the book of Romans, located in the New Testament, about halfway through. Read with me chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for the love for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, You shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Here we go. Here we go. Come on down here. Let's see here. One, two, three, four. I'm going to need some volunteers. i got to have six volunteers. Here's one right here. Jika, would you come down? 
Okay, we got another volunteer. We got so we need ten people. Hey, here you go. Alright, who can count here? Can can you count? How many people we got here? Okay, we need two more. We don't get a volunteer, I'm gonna come pick you. Oh, here comes one. And here comes one. Alright. Our lesson today is on love. Love. I love you, Nora. Aww. But to participate in our little children's moment, we're going to get the uh, congregation involved, okay? So what I'm going to need you to do, I need you to stand in a line right here. Everybody hop up. Oh, yeah. Just a little standing. Okay, we in line? Okay, now, now we're going to do jumping jacks. No, just kidding. This one is yours. 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 These are your signs, and when I, when we're gonna, I'll ask you to hold them up at the time, and they'll also be on the screen up there. But you know, Moses, he, uh, God had Moses to uh, write some rules for us, okay? And uh, what we'd like to do is, is our first one, we'll go ahead and bring our slide up. Worship no God but me. And I want to ask you, is that a message to for God or for us? Is it for us? Okay. Next one. Don't make idols. Hold yours up. Hold yours up. Oh, keep your arms up. There you go. Is that a is that a message for us or is it a message for God? Good. Uh, yeah, there we go. Do not use my name for evil purposes. Is that a message for God or for us? Keep the Sabbath holy. Is that God or us? Okay. Respect your mother and father. Raise it. Can you raise it up? There we go. All right. Is that is that is that for for us or for God? Do not murder. Is that for us or is that for God? Be loyal to your family. Is that for us or is that for God? These are pretty good rules, aren't they? Do not steal. Is that for us or is that for God? Do not tell lies about others. We know that's for us, right? And do not be jealous of other people's stuff. Do y'all ever get jealous of other people's stuff when somebody has a 
you know, a new game or a new bicycle or something, you think, man, I wish I had that. So is that rule, is that for us or for God? Us, that's right. The Bible tells us you should owe nothing to anyone except that you will always owe love to each other. The person who loves others has done all all of the law commands. The law says you must not commit adultery. You must not murder anyone. You must not steal. You must not want what belongs to someone else. All of these commands and all the commands are really only one rule. Love your neighbor. The same as you love yourself. Love doesn't hurt others. So loving is the same as obeying all of our laws. Thank you. Have a seat. Appreciate it, volunteers. Y'all can keep those. You, you can take it home. Sure.
Will you pray with me, please? Our gracious and loving God, give us the grace to give generously, not only of our money, but of our time and of our talents. Help us to give joyfully from hearts of love. And God, grant us the wisdom and discernment to use these gifts for your holy purposes. We pray your blessing upon every gift and every effort made in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
Very nice. Thank you so much. You know, the world has changed uh, pretty significantly, hasn't it? As a matter of fact, the uh, world has changed so much that even certain jokes don't work anymore. For example... There is a time-honored story about a man who was in love with love. In in fact, he he bought every book that he could find on the subject of love. And one day, he was perusing the bookstore, and he spied a book titled, How to Love. Or, I'm sorry, How to Hug. It helps to get it right. How to Hug. But he didn't have time to to thumb through the book to find out what it was about. But just from its title, he knew that it was something that he had to have. And so he paid for it quickly, took it home, and that's when he realized that he bought the seventh volume of the Encyclopedia Britannica. How to hug. Now, let me explain to everyone under the age of 30 here, and obviously some of you who were over 30 too, what an encyclopedia is. Imagine Wikipedia in book form. And the old Encyclopedia Britannica would put on the cover the first word of the encyclopedia or of that volume and the last word of that volume. In other words, how to hug. That was in... Never mind. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it did sound better in my head there. <laughs> All right, moving on. That, that wonderful preacher and sociologist, Tony Campolo, talked about walking down a street in Philadelphia one day when a, a homeless man came towards him. He describes the man as a dirty, filthy bum who was covered from head to toe with soot. You couldn't believe how messed up he was, said Tony. He had a huge beard that was, and and, and there was rotten food stuck in his beard. But as he approached Tony, the man held out a cup of McDonald's coffee and said, Hey, mister, want some of my coffee? And so Campolo looked at this dirty, filthy person and said, Thanks, but... That's okay, and he walked on. Now, you have to, have to understand that Tony Campolo is a very serious Christian, and, and he truly seeks to live his life like Jesus. And the second he passed by this downtrodden gentleman, he knew that he was doing something wrong. And so he turned around, and he said, Excuse me, I would like some of your coffee. And so he took a sip of the man's coffee and gave it back to him. And I can tell that some of you are getting a little squeamish right now. But then Tony said to the man, you're being mighty generous today. How come you're being so generous? And the homeless man looked at Tony and he said, well, it's because the coffee was especially delicious this morning. And I think that when God gives you something good, you ought to share it with others. Well, Tony says that he didn't, know, he didn't know how to handle that. He didn't know what to do. So he, he said, can I give you anything? And he thought that maybe the man would hit him up for five bucks or something like that. And, but the soot-covered man said, no, 
And then he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've changed my mind. There's something that you can give to me. You can give me a hug. Now, as he looked at this filthy, dirty man, Tony says that he was secretly hoping that the man would settle for the $5. But the man put his arms around Tony, and Tony put his arms around the man, and as Tony in his suit and tie and this homeless man in his filthy clothes hugged each other on the streets of Philadelphia, Tony says that he had the strange realization that he was not hugging a homeless man, but he was hugging Jesus. Some of you are aware of a YouTube phenomenon from several years ago. It seems that on December the 1st, 2004, a man in Sydney, Australia, started handing out free hugs in the Pitt Street Mall. His name was Juan Man, his real name. And, and that begs the question, what can one man do to change the world? And that's his real name, Juan Man. But he did change the world. You see, from that tiny gesture, a worldwide movement began when Juan's friend posted a video of Juan standing in the mall holding up a sign saying, free hugs, and then giving hugs away to any person who expressed an interest. More than 94, listen to this, folks, more than 94 million people all over the world have seen that video to date. And imitators all over the place have come up and have taken up Juan's cause. In fact, I took Nathaniel and his girlfriend to a a music festival in Nashville about five or six weeks ago. And there was a guy there that I saw several times during the day holding up a sign saying, Free hugs. Now, I have to be honest with you that I think his motivation was less altruistic. Uh, I think he was probably just looking for some way to get a hug from some of the cute girls that were there. But you never know. But what was it that inspired Juan to begin his free hugs campaign? Well, in the months prior to this event, Juan had been feeling kind of depressed and lonely as a result of some personal issues that he'd been facing. But he went to a party one night, and a complete random stranger came up to him and gave him a hug. And he said, I felt like a king. It was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And so he began inviting other people to receive hugs. And the rest, as they say, is history. Tony Campolo hugging a soot-covered homeless man in Philadelphia. One man handing out free hugs in a shopping mall in Australia. This is starting out to be a pretty touchy-feely sermon, isn't it? And the fact is that the world seems to be divided between two kinds of people. There are huggers and there are non-huggers. Some people are huggers and some people are not. And my guess is that there are probably a lot of non-huggers that would like to change sides, but they are a little too reserved to do so. So here's the thing, folks. Anyone who wants a free hug, please see me after the worship service. Now, loving and hugging are not necessarily the same thing. But we all know a hug can be an expression of love. And love is at the very heart of the gospel. 
In fact, Paul tells us that love is the fulfillment of the law. He contends that the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be, are actually summed up in that one rule, love your neighbor as you love yourself. He said love never does harm to its neighbor, and thus it is the fulfillment of the law. Now, of course, Paul was echoing the words of Jesus when he said the first and the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. And the second is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then he said all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So let's think about what Paul is saying to us in this passage of Scripture. First of all, it's important for us to note that the commandment to love does not negate the law, but rather it fulfills the law. Jesus made it very clear that he did not come to do away with the law. In fact, he says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And this is very important in today's world because there are a lot of people today for whom the moral code is just passe, it's obsolete. Paul lists some of the commandments that Moses gave. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And Jesus didn't come to do away with these laws. But he came to set these laws within the context of God's love. Now that being said, Christ was not a legalist. Far from it. And he didn't keep rules just for the sake of keeping rules. In fact, he he did away with a lot of petty rules like an obsession with keeping the Sabbath that was so arduous that it was hurting more people than it was helping. But that didn't mean that every part of the law was obsolete. And we would do well today if we considered every action and word through the context of God's love before we spoke or acted. James Patterson and Peter Kim wrote a book a while back titled The Day America Told the Truth. It was a study on attitudes in our society. And according to their study, 74% of Americans say that they would steal from someone who who wouldn't miss it. 64% said that they would lie for convenience as long as no one was hurt. Most Americans, 93%, said they alone decide moral issues based on their own experience or their personal whims. 84% said that they would break the rules of their own religion. And 81% have violated a law that they felt was inappropriate. Am I the only one that's uh, disturbed by these figures? And folks, you know me. I'm not a legalist. I'm far from a legalist. Uh, I'm not a legalist either. But are we sliding down the slippery slope of moral relativity into the murky waters of a world that has no moral code at all? Paul says that love does not negate the law. But it fulfills the law. The fact is that God gave us certain rules for the living of our lives. And 
in, in the same way that a loving parent makes rules for his or her children. Because, folks, rules that are given in love help us to live our lives to its fullest. So when God gave the children of Israel the commandments, God had their best interest at heart. And love fills the law with purpose and with meaning. On the other hand, law that is separated from love is cruel and sometimes even dangerous. You know, I I inwardly cringe almost every time I see a religious person or a minister portrayed on TV or in a movie because most of the time that character is portrayed as a person who is totally devoid of any kind of love or compassion. And it is true that there are a lot of people like that in, in church, especially among the nominally committed. But folks, let me tell you something. They are hurtful to the cause of Christ. Several years ago in his book, The Christian Salt and Light Company, Professor Haddon Robinson gave a stunning example of law that was separated from love. He told about the late Joe Bailey, who had once been a columnist for Eternity Magazine. It seems that that Joe had visited some German Christians who had been devoted soldiers in the Nazi army during World War II. Two of them had been put up for promotion to become second lieutenants. And the commandant told them that that he would approve their promotion on one condition, that they join the officers' club. Now, being a member of the officers' club would require them to attend some rather wild and permissive parties. And so these young Christian soldiers refused the invitation because they believed that all of that dancing and drinking promoted sexual immorality. And so because of their convictions, they turned down the promotion. Now, some of us might snicker at this as an example of old-fashioned legalism, not dancing because they were Christians, And other people might admire their conviction, but that's not what struck Bailey. Because remember, these were Nazis. They were in the Nazi army. And later in their military career, both of these men were assigned to death camps where thousands of Jews were stuffed into gas chambers and killed. And even though they did not participate directly in this slaughter, they knew what was going on. And yet they never voiced any protest and never tried to do anything to stop it. When Joe talked to them many years later, they expressed no regret. They were convinced that they had made right decisions. They were glad that they had not conformed to social pressure and joined in with the dancing and the partying. In their eyes, this was an act of righteousness. But at the same time, they expressed no guilt over remaining silent while thousands of Jews were killed and burned in ovens. This act of conformance to social pressure did not seem to violate their Christian conscience. And that, my friends, is scary. This kind of legalism can be cruel and even dangerous. 
Because, folks, let me tell you something. Some of the greatest atrocities ever committed were committed in the name of misguided faith. Just look at what has gone on this past week in Syria and Iraq as the second journalist, an innocent man, has been beheaded in the name of God. And before you get on your high horse about Islam, you need to realize that Christian history is not much better. There's enough guilt to go around stemming from misguided faith. An atheist named Steven Weinberg put it like this. He said, good people do good things and bad people do bad things. But to get good people to do bad things, that takes religion. It sounds funny. But wait a minute. Think about it. If you think about it, it'll break your heart. The philosopher Pascal once said that men never delight in doing evil as much as they can do it for religious reasons. So you see, love is not the negation of the law. Rather, love saves the law from mindless cruelty. Because without the law, without the benefit of love, it can be downright demonic. And please tell that to the people who would persecute others in the name of Christ just because they are of a different religion or a different skin color or a different sexual orientation or whatever it may be. They are not doing the work of God when they do that. But here is the crux of the matter. You see, when, we, when our lives are summed up on the day of judgment, we will not be rewarded on the basis of how well we kept the commandments because, folks, none of us do it that well. But here's what we're going to be judged on. Our lives will be judged on how well we loved. That's what life is all about, folks. Love. John Ortberg tells about an eight-year-old boy who was kind of a nerdy, clumsy, chubby kid. One time a group of bullies were chasing him, calling him Fat Freddy. And so he ran to the home of an elderly widow in the neighborhood. He prayed that she would be home, and she was. He prayed that she would let him in, and she did. And he said that greatly increased his faith in God. Well, Freddie's full name was Fred Rogers. Remember him? Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. The fact that this elderly woman took him in and kept him safe from the bullies was one of the reasons that the idea of being a part of a neighborhood was so important to him. And Fred really led a a remarkable life, an amazing life. He was a a wonderful Christian. What many of you may not know is he was an ordained Presbyterian minister. He woke up every morning at 5.30 in the morning to pray and to read his Bible, sing some hymns. And then he would go swimming for exercise. And he would do this every single day. And then he would come home and he would weigh himself on a scale. He weighed 143 pounds almost his whole life. 
And that was his favorite number. And you know why? Because it takes one letter to say I, four letters to say love, and three letters to say you. 143. I love you. You see, love is everything. And Paul believed that too. Love is everything. It is not the negation of the law because, folks, the law lived within the protective confines of a self-giving love. That kind of law produces a life of grace and beauty. But the law without love can be cruel and dangerous. And when we value our lives, when the value of our lives is summed up, we will not be judged on how well we kept the commandments. Instead, we will be judged on how well we loved. And so I guess the question that I leave you with today is this. How's your love life? Amen. Let us sing. Number 300, without him, I would be nothing. And that is true. We would be nothing without our Lord. And we would be nothing without the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we are so grateful that he loved us so much that he would die on the cross for us. So grateful. And I hope that we are grateful enough for the love that we've received from God that we would freely give that to everyone around us. That's my prayer for each of you today. Let us love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our minds. And let us love our neighbor as we love ourselves.
come united in worship as your people, and we have come dependent on your grace, which gives us so much more of your love than we deserve. We have come dependent on your mercy, which withholds the just judgment that we do deserve, and we have come dependent upon your forgiveness, which removes our guilt and remembers our sin no more. And now as we go, steeped in the love of your Spirit, may God bring us all into an ever deeper understanding of God's love and of the patience that comes through Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah.